Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today, and so thankful to have this opportunity to open up God's Word together, study a little bit further, dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, come to a better understanding of what His will is for our life, as He has communicated His will to us through His Word. How blessed we are to have His Word, the Bible and how we need to take advantage of having his word communicated to us, his will written down for us in God's word, the Bible. You know, we we need to take time regularly on purpose and with a purpose of reading and studying, trying to absorb as much of those teachings as we possibly can. We need to not be careless with our souls, with our ultimate eternal destiny. God has given us his word to guide us to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. And we need to not be careless in that that ultimate goal, in trying to achieve that and make that our ultimate goal. We need to really be diligent in walking down that pathway of truth that Jesus talked about that leads to eternal life in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. We need to be careful to not let ourselves get off track and end up on that broad road that leads to eternal condemnation in hell. God sent his son to die on the cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins so we could be with him in heaven. We need to take that seriously, and we need to cherish that blessing, that opportunity, and then do what God has instructed us to do to in order to tap into his grace so that we can be with him in heaven forever and ever. We want to encourage you to encourage others to listen to this program. And we know that not everybody has the opportunity to listen at the times this program airs, although it airs about five times a day, Monday through Friday. But still, some people have difficult times with their schedule in trying to connect with us at those particular times. But you can receive this radio program on a daily basis through our website, actually through our podcasting. You can go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. You can scroll down the home page to our podcast button, You can click on that, and you can sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. And it'll take you about one minute to sign up. And then you'll receive all of these radio programs automatically sent to your your smart device, whatever that is, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, your pad, your tablet, whatever it is. It'll go automatically every day. You'll also receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, and a great, about a 12-minute daily study from God's Word called Today's Bible Class. Again, all of this is free and always will be free. So take advantage of this and encourage all of your friends to take advantage of it. They may not be able to tune in at the times that we air the program, but they can receive it automatically every day. Encourage them to do so and take advantage of that yourself. We're going to get back into our study on God's grace, and in this particular section, we're talking about God's grace and my faith. Now, we receive the offer of forgiveness and salvation as a gift from God, totally by his grace. 
Remember, and we've looked at this particular text in some depth and detail in our last time together, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, to be redeemed, to be saved through Jesus Christ, as we come to him in obedience, acting upon our faith in him as God's Son and our Savior, obeying him by repenting and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. And God then saves us by his grace. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. Now, salvation is by God's grace, and only by God's grace. But we must respond to God's grace through our own faith in order to receive his gift. Remember again, Romans 6 and verse 23, both ends, opposite ends, ends of the spiritual spectrum. The wages of sin is death. That's the negative. The opposite positive end is, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no question which end of the spectrum we want to end up on is there. It's a no-brainer. We want that eternal life. We want that gift of God through Jesus Christ. How do we respond to that? We must respond. It's not just a matter of us going ahead and doing whatever we've always been doing. We looked at the text in Titus chapter 3 and verses 3 through 7, and Paul reminded them that you used to be like this, living in sinfulness. In fact, he used the pronoun we, not you. All of us, when we come to the point of being old enough to understand the difference between right and wrong, and righteousness and unrighteousness, and good and evil, we become sinners. We do wrong. We commit sin. And we need God's forgiveness. We need his, his redemption through Jesus Christ. All of us. Romans, 6 and verse, uh, Romans 3 and verse 23 says, We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. Every single one of us, again, who is old enough to understand and mentally capable of understanding. We sin. We make mistakes. Galatians 3 and verse 22, Paul says that all are under sin. So we need that forgiveness because, again, in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. We want that gift of God, which is eternal life. So in order to receive that gift by God's grace, we need to learn how to be forgiven of our sins. Jesus calls all of us through the gospel. He said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's not talking about physical rest, taking a nap, having a good night's sleep, just taking it easy one day. No, he's talking about spiritual rest. Remember, 
Romans 1 and uh, chapter 1 and verse 16 again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, or in other words, to everybody. Now remember, the gospel of Christ, when Jesus says, come to me for that spiritual rest, that's a gospel call. When Jesus ascended back to heaven after his crucifixion on the cross, resurrection from the grave, and having walked among people for a period of 40 days, demonstrating that he was risen, hundreds and hundreds of people literally saw him, risen Savior. And as he was ready to ascend back to heaven, in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, he told the apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, to everybody. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. He calls us through the gospel, the gospel message of salvation, his gospel message. He is the Savior. We're responsible to answer his call. God did not send Christ into this world to save us in our sins. He, called us, he sent Jesus into this world to save us from our sins. Eternal rest is promised only if we come to him. And we must come to him in our active response of faith. We talked about that. Our faith is not just believing. Now that's one way to look at it. In its most basic understanding, faith is my belief. But if I want my faith to be saving faith, then I've got to put my, my belief into action through my obedience. That's what real saving faith is. And salvation is offered to us by God. But at the same time, God does not force salvation upon us. He does not force us to come to him through Jesus Christ, to dedicate our lives to him, to be obedient to him. He offers us, by his grace, those blessings, forgiveness, redemption, spiritual rebirth, salvation, eternal life. But he does not make us receive that gift of salvation. He does not make us receive those blessings. He offers them to us. But we have to make up our mind. So Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You see, in order to be recipients of God's grace, salvation by grace, we have to come to him through Jesus. That's why Jesus issued that call, that invitation, come to me. That's an active response on our part. And if we do not respond in that way to that invitation, then we cannot hope to receive that gift of salvation from God. Why do we need to come to God through Jesus? Because Jesus said he's the only way to God. 
In John 14 and verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way to God. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we're told, nor is there salvation in any other, speaking of Christ. For there there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only through Christ. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 24. I have told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is the Savior. And only through him can we come to God for forgiveness and salvation. By God's grace. By God's grace. Now going back to Titus chapter 3. We looked at this text in detail and in depth. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. In verse 3, he reminds those Christians to whom Titus is supposed to bear this letter and also teach this truth. He reminds them that we also were once sinners. Every one of us. We've already established that. We've talked about that. He goes into a list that is representative. It's not all-inclusive. It's not an exhaustive list of the kinds of sinful practices that mankind takes part in. But he just gives a representative list. He says, we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures that would be understood as being of this world or worldliness, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But then he says that's the way we were. The next verse says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, God does not, God is not kind toward us because we're righteous and obligate him to be kind toward us, And certainly, he does not offer his grace to us because we deserve it and have it coming because we've been such great people spiritually. It's all by God's grace. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We don't earn our salvation. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've talked about this in some depth. What does he mean by the washing of regeneration? God has used, he has used figures, if you would, or illustrations in some other cases, some of the parables get that across, and some of the stories that Jesus told get that across. But he uses figures that we can relate to. And so what do we do when we're dirty? We wash, don't we? We wash. We need to get clean. We need to practice cleanliness for good health. 
so that our physical life and longevity can be blessed and can be extended through our daily hygiene. Now, if we never washed ourselves, if we never cleansed ourselves in any way, we would become much more susceptible to disease and illness, and we'd die almost certainly earlier than we would if we simply practice good hygiene on a regular, consistent basis. So we wash. We wash our bodies. We take showers. We wash our hands. We're told repeatedly, wash your hands when you've been around somebody potentially who's been ill or when you've been around some areas where maybe there have been sick people. <laughs> you know, I've, I've kind of said, you know, with tongue in cheek, but there's some seriousness to this. I, I don't like to be in a doctor's office because that's where sick people go. <laughs> now, I know I have to go there sometimes, in order to receive proper medical attention, especially if, I, if I'm sick. But that's where sickness is. So what do you do when you leave the doctor's office? You need to wash your hands, wash your face, maybe go home and take a shower, depending on just how many people have been there who have been coughing and sneezing and really look bad physically because they looked like they were very ill. You want to wash. You want to wash on a continual basis. Okay, that gets rid of the dirt. So what does Paul mean here when he says, by the washing of regeneration? We understand the term of washing. It gets rid of the dirt. What is the worst kind of dirt that we have in our lives that we bear? The filthiness of sin. Sin is not an inconsequential matter. It separates us from God, Isaiah 59 and verse 2. So we need to be cleansed of the guilt of our sins. When the Lord himself sent Ananias to teach Saul of Tarsus, who had been a great sinner, in fact, later after he became a Christian and then later after he became a divinely appointed apostle of Jesus Christ, he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, this is, a faithful, this, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief, Paul wrote. He had been a terrible sinner. He had rejected Christ. He was an enemy of Christians, hunted them down literally, and put them in bonds and took them back to Jerusalem to stand trial for their faith in Christ. And then even in some cases voted for their execution. No wonder he said, of whom I am chief, in referring to sinners. But Ananias, sent by the Lord, came to Saul after he had been confronted by Christ on the road to Damascus, Ananias said to Saul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He needed to be cleansed of the guilt of his sins. And that's exactly the sense of the language there. Wash away your sins, 
calling on the name of the Lord. Now there is no doubt that Saul understood immediately what Ananias was referring to when he said, arise and be baptized, and connected that with washing away his sins. Saul understood what baptism was. He understood that it was in water. He understood that instinctively. That was a principle he had learned in his studies, even of the Old Testament. He understood what baptism was. And that's why Ananias connected it with being cleansed of the guilt of his sins. Wash away your sins, being baptized, calling in the name of the Lord. Well, we looked at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26 in this great treatise on the marriage relationship. But that really is not the primary subject of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. The real primary subject is the relationship of Christ with the church. And here's one of those texts in which God used, or Paul used, a comparison to something we can relate to to get across his real message. And so he compared our relationship as the church with Christ. He compared that to the relationship of husband and wife in a marital relationship. In verse 26, he said that he might sanctify and cleanse her, that is, that Christ might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. You compare that to what Ananias told Saul of Tarsus. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. You compare that to what Paul wrote in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 again. The washing of regeneration. He's talking about baptism there. I'm confident of that. It fits with all of the other texts that talk about baptism and being cleansed of the guilt of our sins. The washing of water by the word. What does that mean, by the word? We're told about the need of our being washed, cleansed in the waters of baptism for the remission of our sins. We're taught that by the word of God, the New Testament the gospel of Christ, the washing of water by the word. We'll come back and look at this in a little bit more depth and detail next time. But let's pray together now. Father, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for, in your love and your mercy, your kindness, your goodness, and through your grace, making the way for us to be cleansed of the guilt of our sins, to contact the blood of Christ shed on that cross on our behalf, by being baptized into him so our sins could be forgiven. Help us to open our hearts, Father, to simply humbly submit to your will in this regard so that we can be forgiven and be made new, be born again, and have eternal life with you in heaven. Please, Father, guide us. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.